Besides the computer, I can't think of any invention that has impacted us more than this, right? How many of you have your cell phone with you? All right, is it off? Vibrate, all right? But these things are amazing. We're getting his items acting as if he's talking to someone on the phone just so he can get in and get out. But it is of no use Really, if it's not powered. So every night we plug it into the wall, plug it into electricity, power it up so it's good to go the next day. Because there's nothing more frustrating than when you're talking to somebody and you hear, and it's gone, right? It's dead. We're entering into a series, as you can see by the screen, entitled Empowered. We're going to use the book of Acts and a lot of other scriptures along the way to see how the Holy Spirit can empower us as believers. When you become a Christian, when you become a believer, God fills you with his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit energizes you to do so much more than you could ever do on your own. Thus the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it with me. I can do. The Holy Spirit can empower you to follow God's will, overcome temptation, pray effectively, witness boldly, understand scripture, cope with suffering. But if you try to do those things on your own, you'll end up pretending being exhausted, and being ineffective. But today we want to look at how the Holy Spirit deepens our character. How the Holy Spirit deepens our character. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3-8, three, three through eight, Peter shares this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, into your goodness knowledge, into knowledge self-control, into self-control perseverance, into perseverance godliness, into godliness brotherly kindness, into brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has equipped you as a believer through the Holy Spirit with everything you need to mature and to grow as a Christian. That means your character five years from now should be much deeper and much more in contact with God's character than it is today. That means the fruit of the Spirit should be more evident next week in your life than it is this week. But just as the cell phone can be drained of power and become useless, we too are of little value when the Holy Spirit begins to fade from our lives. With that in mind, I encourage you to turn, if you have your Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen, to Acts chapter 6. We're going to study the life of an early Christian named Stephen. Some of you will know about Stephen, but this will refresh your memory of what he went through and the example he was of how the Holy Spirit can empower someone and deepen their character. 
going to look at a few snapshots or pictures of Stephen and the different roles that he had in life. The first picture is that of a deacon, a deacon who was empowered with a heart to serve wisely. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, Luke tells us that the number of disciples were increasing. And the problem was the widows were being overlooked with the distribution of food. So the apostles called a meeting and proposed this. Acts 6, verses 3 through 5. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the what? The Holy Spirit. Stephen's character had matured from the point of when he was born again to now being filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. And understand this, wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. It's not common sense, it's godly sense. It's godly sense. Stephen would need God's wisdom because he was going to be in charge of a difficult assignment, overseeing the distribution of food to the elderly widows in a church that had over 20,000 people. That would take wisdom to strategically plan it out. It would take wisdom to listen to the complaints and evaluate the needs. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, Stephen and the others served well. Acts 6 verse 7 says, Then so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So the church begins to reach thousands for Christ, due in large part because of the service of Stephen and the other disciples in the way they reached out to those in need. Wherever you serve, if you are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will become ineffective. In your own power, in my own power, we can't do what God needs to get done. In the Holy Spirit's power, we can. But the bad news is this. Just as a cell phone can lose its power and it can begin to fade away, if we don't watch, the Holy Spirit's power can begin to fade in our lives. And before we even know it, we're running on empty and on our own power. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, His face was said to be a glow because he was in the presence of God. So when he came down, he put a veil over his face. So when the people looked at him, they wouldn't have to squint. But there was another reason. 2 Corinthians 3.13 says the reason he covered his face was so that he didn't want the people to see the glow slowly fading away. He didn't want them to see the glow, the power of God slowly fading away. It would be fantastic if you and I, much like a cell phone where there's a warning that the power's going low, that if you and I could have like a flashing light on our foreheads when the spirit began to 
get lower and lower in our life. When the Holy Spirit was fading, it would say low power, low power, low power, so that we could begin to re-energize ourselves by the power of our life causes us to feel weak, causes us to feel powerless. Do you know who this guy is? Who is that? Somebody said me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Superman, man of steel. Only problem, he had one weakness that would cause him to fade away and become weak as all get out. And what was that? Kryptonite. In much the same way, sin becomes your kryptonite and my kryptonite. And I guess I would ask you, what's your kryptonite? Yours isn't the same as mine, probably. Because Satan knows how to attack every single one of us individually in our own hearts that would cause the Holy Spirit to be squelched. And we need to be aware of that so the Spirit can grow inside of us. When David repented of his adulterous affair, he prayed, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, God. We need to do the same. Take our transgressions, take our sins before God and say, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit. Second, meditate on scripture to be recharged. The Bible says scripture came about when men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when we study scripture, the Holy Spirit fills us up as well. Third, pray daily. Pray daily. Pray constantly for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Luke eleven thirteen 13 promises, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Ask him. Each week, before I preach, before I share God's word, I sit there and I pray, God, humble me. God, purify me. God, anoint me. God, allow your spirit to flow through me so they're not my words, but your words. I've got a prayer that is posted in my office that I read each week as I prepare messages and get ready. I've had this for a long, long time. This is what it says. Oh God, don't let the stage call me to the sermon. Let the sermon call me to the stage. Before I break the bread of life, Lord, break me. Wash my heart and lips. Wash from my heart and lips the iniquity there. I want to preach, yes, hemorrhage under your divine anointing, God. Strip me of all pride, all showmanship, and salesmanship. Deliver me from reliance, education, personality, roles, and canned quips. Let me speak with the humility of Moses and the patience of Job and the wisdom of Paul and the power of Peter and the authority of Jesus. Lord, make my speaking clear, not clever. 
Passionate, not pitiful. Urgent, not usual. Meaty, not murky. May it comfort the disturbed. May it disturb the comfortable. Warn the sinner, mature the saint, give hope to the discouraged and ready for heaven, the whole audience. Let self be gone, Christ be exalted, the cross be central and the plea be with passion. May my eyes never be dry. Just now, Lord, take me out of myself. Eliminate anything I've planned to say when it is in the way of your message. Here I am, Lord, your vessel. Please use me. However it is that you can yield yourself before God, give yourself over to God in whatever it is that you do, and pray for the Holy Spirit to move in, do it. If I wouldn't do that, it would just be public speaking, and that's not what I'm into. Another way we can be filled with the Spirit is to worship in spirit and truth. Psalm 68, 35 reads, You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Say it with me. Praise be to God. Say it again. Praise be to God. And one of the best ways the Holy Spirit fills us up, we've been there already this morning, but I thought, man, let's do it again. Let's pause this thing. Instead of talking about it, let's do it. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna worship again in spirit and in truth. I encourage you to get songs like that and on your way to work, on your way to college, wherever you're headed, Blast that to the loudest decimal in your car because this isn't the only place that that can happen. You can make that happen to worship in spirit and truth even when you're in the sanctuary of your automobile or your home. One more way to be filled with the spirit and that is exercise your spiritual gift. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. One of my spiritual gifts is preaching and teaching. And I love to do it. But after I'm done preparing and getting ready and then going through a Sunday morning, I'm wore out physically. But spiritually, I'm never more alive. I'm never more alive. Henry has been given a gift by God. And I've been joking with him over the last few months saying, Henry, I'm going to have you play a drum solo. He, he says, he, he says, he says, no, you're not. I say, yeah, yeah, I am. So I've had a little post-it note. When I got an idea, I put a post-it note by my computer. And as I work on messages, when it goes that direction, wham, it comes in. 
And so he is going to play a drum solo. It's his spiritual gift. I've been wanting to see this for like four or five years. So here we go. Go for it. Seriously. That's called using your spiritual gift. But when it comes to Henry, he, he's got a lot of gifts that he uses. And one of the biggest gifts he uses is an attitude of a servant. Um, I'm blown away by the way he serves, by his heart, and his constant willingness to give and give and give. Why does he do that? Because when he uses his spiritual gift, whether it's drums or the gift of service, he's filled up with God's spirit. What is it in your life? Where is it that God has gifted you to serve? One of the greatest horrors of this pandemic is people have failed to use their spiritual gift in the midst of it. They kind of just shut down along with everything else. So be intentional. Wherever it is God has gifted you, and you're all gifted, use it so the Holy Spirit empowers your life. We'll look at another snapshot of Stephen. From Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, we see Stephen the preacher. The Holy Spirit empowered him with the courage to witness boldly. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did wonders and miracles, miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue and of the freed men, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene, of Alexandria, as well as the providences of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Stephen had the Holy Spirit's power in his preaching, began to persuade people. His miracles began to... We do that because of the Spirit's power inside of us. We're able to witness. Acts 6, 11 through 15, it continues and gives us another picture of Stephen the martyr. The Holy Spirit empowered him to die confidently. Then they secretly persuaded then they secretly persuaded some of the men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. 
They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. He's in dangerous territory. Disciple had been flogged, beaten, abused. And yet when they look at Stephen, they saw his face aglow like an angel. I think that is so cool. Are these charges true? The high priest asked. And what follows in Acts chapter 7 is a powerful, reasoned response for those charges. I encourage you to read that on your own, Stephen's sermon sometime this week. But Stephen insists that he didn't blasphemy the temple. He just pointed out that God wasn't limited to the temple. God existed long before the temple was ever built. The Most High, he says, does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. He wasn't trying to undermine the Jewish religion. He was simply telling them that Jesus came to fulfill scripture as the Messiah. And look what Stephen says then, Acts 7, verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your father's. You always resist the Holy Spirit. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, here it is again, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. To my knowledge, that's the only time in the scriptures that Jesus is mentioned as standing at the right hand of God. He's usually portrayed as being seated at the right hand of God. And what's so cool is it's been suggested that Jesus stood to honor the sacrifice of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Then Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 59, Luke continues. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And when the Holy Spirit empowers a believer, deepens our character, he does it to the point that we can even face death with confidence. There is an innate fear of death in some people People will go to amazing lengths to be able to take one more breath and stay alive. 
But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the closer we get to death, the less we fear it. I've seen it time and time again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Romans 8, 11 promises, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's no reason, no reason to sit around and fret about dying. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our faith increases that we do not fear death, we look forward to death. Because we know what's going to happen. Stephen was stoned as the first Christian martyr, but he wasn't afraid. The Holy Spirit empowered him to face death with confidence. He lifted his eyes and said, look, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the throne of God. I have had the chance to be beside a whole lot of people when they took their last breath. Spending so many years as a senior pastor and being in those spots. And I remember a little old lady by the name of Inez McLean. I can close my eyes and I can see her room in the nursing home. I spent a whole lot of time there. We called her the Energizer Bunny, all of us pastors. Because the nursing home would call and say, Inez is ready to go. The Lord's ready to take her home. We'd, all, we'd rush there. Inez have some miracle come back around. She'd be back alive for another six weeks. We joked. I said, Inez, you just keep coming back to life. She'd laugh. She was teeny. But I'll never forget sitting in her room with her family and she loved to sing hymns and I got a whole lot of hymns memorized from being raised in the church and I'd sit there and just sing another hymn and we'd sing another hymn and we'd sing another hymn and one day we were finally there and we were singing a hymn I don't remember what it was but she closed her eyes and I'll never forget what she said she closed her eyes and she said, I see him. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I said, I just go. God, your spirit is among us and it's also within us, God. Allow us, God, to be empowered by your spirit, not to be afraid of your spirit, but to call upon it, to call upon you. Because, God, we realize we have the availability of the same power that blew the stone away from the tomb. That same power is in us. God, help us to use that power to be used by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.